Have you ever thought about what it takes to power and run your home? What would it take to make your home a zero energy home? Well, we'll find out today on Future Home. Today's special guest, Joseph and Bruce from Zero Energy. I want to know the who behind the what. I've been in the energy business since the 1980s, uh, right out of college, kind of got involved in energy conservation. And what I've seen over those years is that energy efficiency, especially, is in the new is the new power plant. Uh, here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, over the last 20 years, energy efficiency has avoided the need to build, I don't know, 10 or 20 uh, major power plants over that period of time, uh, or about 50% of the load growth. And then going forward, uh, the, the, the regional planners that may, you know make this, make this their business have said that we could basically meet 80% of the new load growth with efficiency and renewables uh, if we put our mind to it. And it's not really that hard. So I'm really happy to kind of be in this uh, industry and to try to move things forward. In a way, zero energy is the holy grail. You know, when I started off, we were trying to shave little bits off of the energy use of a building. Um, I've been in residential most of this time. We're looking right at the possibility that every new home can be a zero energy home. What does that mean? I think the simplest definition is that it's a home that creates as much energy as it uses. And, and you basically accomplish that by making the house as efficient as possible and then putting some kind of renewable energy system on the site. Now, that could be, in most cases, that's a solar panels uh, because mm-hmm. that's the thing that's the right scale for most homes. If you talk about commercial buildings, you maybe have some other possibilities. But you can look at a much broader definition of zero if you wanted to think about the amount of energy and, and essentially the amount of greenhouse gases that are are, are produced to build the home in the first place to for all the materials for the energy that's used to, on the construction side and everything so we're, we're really kind of poised now to look beyond just the operational energy of each building to a zero carbon building a building that will basically make up for all of the energy that it's, it has been used to create it it's all relative, right? So it's all things that you can do to just reduce your carbon footprint and the energy consumption that your house, whether that's, you know, energy efficient windows or things to kind of reduce that as well, right? Well, it can be everything. I mean, it's a lot of little pieces. One of Some of the builders that I talk to that, that try to, you know, make this leap, they say it's a death by a thousand cuts, you know, right. because you, there are a lot of little things that you do, but there are some biggies too. And the ones you want to focus on first are the big uh, items. And these would be uh, space heating, water heating, and, and, and that's where insulation and super air tightness comes in. Like you say, windows. When you're doing new construction, it really makes a lot of uh, sense to kind of undertake this from the beginning. And, and, and it's a really good time to, to do it if you're in new construction, because essentially you can build or buy a, a new house for less money than you could build or buy a conventional house. You can build or buy a zero energy house for less than you could build or buy a conventional house. It becomes a little more difficult if you're dealing with an existing home because you have some constraints, but I think that people are starting to solve those problems as well. It's really kind of a matter of will more than technology or even financing at this point. 40% of greenhouse gases are produced by buildings, either to build them or to maintain and run them. That's right. And that that includes both uh, residential and commercial buildings. And so we really can't think about kind of a climate-friendly economy 
without including buildings and part of that. And, and that's just what goes into the buildings themselves. When you're developing new buildings, you're also creating a, a transportation destination. Um, so it's it's not just how you build the building, it's where you put it. And I think that's one of the things that we can start to incorporate into this big picture as well. What got you so involved in starting Zero Energy Project? Well, I started the organization because I was um, interested in building a house. And I went on a green and solar tour, probably organized by Bruce, but it was before I knew Bruce. And the green and solar tour and bend here had nice countertops and recycled this and recycled that, but none of the houses were particularly energy efficient. So it was very disappointing. And so I sort of started looking into energy efficiency and I learned more about zero energy homes. And we decided to build a zero energy home with Bruce's input and a really good builder who was eager to build a zero energy home. We thought, well, this is great. We can do this for us. And I've read a lot about people throwing money at zero energy homes, creating wonderful homes, but ones that most people couldn't afford. So we built another one as a spec home here at Bend and it sold real well. And then we got involved in building others just to, as a model to show that it was cost effective to build them. And in the meantime, we I started uh, the Zero Energy Project to uh, let people know about what we were doing and try to create a bigger exchange of information about how to do it and why to do it and what the benefits are. You made the point, Joe. That's one of the big myths about zero energy homes is we always think that, oh, my gosh, you'll never make the money back. It's, it's an investment you have to make, but you'll never uh, recoup the financial. That's not true, is it? Oh, not at all, because uh, the cost of ownership is lower from the first day you first month you move in and have to pay your bills. The savings you get from having zero energy bills is greater than the added amount you're putting into the mortgage to pay for the upgrades to get to zero energy. Also from a sales perspective, I would assume that, have you guys looked into this about how how that affects the resale of the home later on down the line? There is some uh, data to show that uh, energy efficient homes in general and green homes in general do have a higher uh, value in the market. Um, it's been a little difficult to realize that value because of the appraisers and lenders are sometimes a little reluctant to put that down on paper. Right. Um, so it's been one of the one of the challenges I think that we have to overcome is to demonstrate that this value for those people. You know, one of the ways that you overcome the first cost of of the zero energy features is to increase your mortgage. Well, the the value you have to appraise that value in order to get the bigger loan to do that. Now, that's not true for people that have a lot of equity. They can just absorb that. But if you're really kind of on the margin, um, then you really need a higher mortgage amount. And I think this is starting to change. There are two programs now at the federal level from uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. They each have a program that will allow greater mortgage values, greater loan-to-value uh, ratios for uh, homes when they can show that they're highly energy efficient. If one of our listeners is thinking about renovating their home and making it a zero energy home, what's your best advice for them? I just wanted to say something more about getting your money back. Sort of, is, this, is the sales price going to be higher? When cities start requiring energy performance scores, I think that'll lock it in so that we'll see that uh, 
the real value of the energy efficient houses is real, realized at the sale price. Cities like Portland now are requiring energy performance scores for the house when the house is being sold. Is that just something that they publish or, or is it, does it affect your energy costs or how, how, do they, how do they apply that? Well, it's like the miles per gallon on a car. Okay. If, if you're interested in getting an energy efficient house, you can see house A is really uh, energy suck and house okay. B is really energy efficient. And if, and if that has value to you, then the, you'll pay a little more for that. Great. Got it. And so, you know, in the old world, we just looked at the uh, electrical bill or the water bill. They would have them lay it out on the table. And you're saying now it's a lot more. Well, we're aiming for that. I don't think people really look at those bills, though, Tom. They, they, yeah. A lot of people don't even think about energy efficiency when they do it. So what Joe's saying is that, that we need to have a level playing field so it. that the benefits of uh, the zero energy homes or the energy efficient homes can be right there in the sales material. What we're trying to do is, is get people to recognize that energy costs occur every month, just like principal interest taxes and insurance. And those things are all disclosed in the process of a real estate transaction. So we should also disclose the energy used so that people can make good decisions. That's what a market-based economy is supposed to do. If I'm a homeowner and I'm thinking about renovating my home and making it a zero energy home, what, what is your advice? What's the best advice you can give them? on where to start or what to focus on? To renovate your house to zero, I would, first of all, wait until you have a need for some renovation. So if your roof needs renovating, your house okay. needs painting, uh, your appliances are coming to the end of their natural life or your heating system is really inefficient. When you have some major uh, capital renovations to make is a really good time to do a zero energy renovation. So for instance, we had a house in, we have a house in Ashland that belonged to my Anne's mother. It needed a new roof and it was very energy inefficient. Uh, but we took that opportunity to replace the roof and put uh, several inches of insulation underneath the new roof. So it was a really easy time to do that. And then uh, the water heater was inefficient and we replaced the water heater and we did several different things step by step to get the house to be very close to zero. No, I think that's really good advice. Uh, you shouldn't let any opportunity go by without upgrading the energy efficiency. So anytime a piece of equipment uh, is ready to be replaced or anytime some kind of structural element is ready to be replaced, you should do that. Um, another good time to, to do all those things is when the property changes hands. That's why energy disclosure is so important. When you uh, are just moving into a house, you don't have any furniture in there to get in the way. That's a great time to do some kind of major renovations. Unfortunately, what we see is that most people coached by their real estate brokers are, are applying all kinds of cosmetic improvements, new carpets, new new countertops, new cabinets and things that actually interfere or get in the way of doing structural renovations that can improve the energy performance of a building. And so I think we need to kind of refocus our attention to, to get away from all the, the superficial things and think a little bit about what's behind the walls. Making those changes when you bought a new home or you bought a home and you're before you move in, uh, there's something called aero, aero barrier. A-E-R-O barrier uh, that uh, is a very simple way of making your house very, very energy efficient, uh, very airtight. And what mm -hmm. they do is they seal off the house 
and put a blower door in the front door or one of the doors. So they create a positive pressure in the house and then the uh, positive pressure will uh, um, show all the air leaks and they oh, put okay. in a, a, a big nozzle with a spray that sprays out a harmless chemical that's very sticky and will stick in all the air leaks and you can seal your house extremely tightly very quickly and get it to the level of tightness that you specify ahead of time. It's a fantastic technology for new homes or if you're moving into a home, an old home that you just bought and you don't have your furniture in there yet and you want to repaint it. So you, any little crack, this will adhere to and, and uh, seal it right up. Yeah, Aero Barrier is really a game changer for, for retrofits because it's always been really difficult to reach a high level of, of air tightness. And, you know, we, we measure this in um, called air changes per hour at 50 pascals. And a typical new house, maybe, you know, seven, six to seven air changes per hour. We think that energy efficient homes should be about one air change per hour. But when you look at an, in, an existing home, they could be 20. They could start off at 20 air changes. And, and even doing monumental work couldn't get it below 10. So, so aero barrier could be a real way to, to, to make a huge difference in, um, in the performance of existing homes. And air leakage is still probably the most cost-effective thing that you can address uh, in, in either a new or existing home. I mean, if you're not moving and you're in an old house and you can get hire someone, uh, energy consultants will come with a blower door and uh, you can actually feel all the air leaks because they'll create a positive pressure and you can feel where the air leaks are and you can seal them up with some simple caulking that's invisible. And uh, so it's a, it can be a do-it-yourself do project. I built my townhouse, moved in. Um, it's almost been two years now. You know, they claim that, you know, we've got so many, it's a smart home. So we've got special features like, you know, the energy saving windows and so on. But would that be something that would still be cost prohibitive for me to do now, now that I've been in the house for a year and a half? Is it better for me to do it now since I've only been here a little while versus later on? It brings up the question of how do you make the how do you approach this huge project that has a hundred different moving parts, and and there's a great way to do that, and it's to get an energy audit, what they used to call audit. Now they call them energy analysis, or mm -hmm. or they'll have an energy consultant, or a, what's sometimes called an energy rater, uh, R A T E R, come to your house and actually do a full blown analysis of the building to say. Where, where are you using energy? What are the best opportunities to uh, reduce that energy? And, and sometimes they'll even uh, give you a bid on getting the work done. So if you, there's, a, there's a way you can get started in this. It's probably to contact the utility that provides your space heating fuel. So if you have a gas furnace, that would be the gas company. If you have an electric heat pump, that would be the, the electric company. And find out what kind of efficiency programs they have. Um, and that's a good place to start. But you can also then go uh, to a website called, called HERS Index, H-E-R-S index.com, and look for a, one of these local energy raters. And they can come and do this analysis your, of your house. And they'll give you a, a rating number, an index number, that will let you see how you, where you stand along a scale of efficiency. 
but then they can also help you kind of get started on making those decisions about what's the most important thing to do first and what's next and what's after that. So it's a really good way to, to kind of get started on this and, and rather than just doing it kind of haphazardly. So the arrow that you, the arrow fit that you guys were talking about, you know, what kind of a cost is a consumer looking at for something like that? Like as far as a range, because I know it's going to be different if you've got an older house versus a new house and, you know, depending. It really depends on uh, how airtight you want it. So you can, they, they charge you by the amount of material they use and that's all uh, programmed into the system so that you can, uh, if you want a certain level of airtightness, they can give you an estimate of what it'll cost. And if that's too costly, you can dial it down to a, a lower level of airtightness. Aero Barrier is a franchise. And so there's a, each of the local installers kind of licenses the technology and the equipment from a national uh, company. And so each of those franchisees sets their own prices. So it does vary a bit across the country, but, but Joe's right. It's based on how tight you want the house to be and how big the house is. The local, uh, Aero barrier installer around here charges about a hundred and about a dollar fifty per square foot uh, to get it to a reasonable level of efficiency or, or tightness. What do you think are the biggest challenges or obstacles? I'm most optimistic about the fact that all the technology is already available. You can go to any builder to in any part of the country, and you can get everything you need to make a house a zero energy house. And I'm optimistic about the fact that it that it costs less to own a zero energy house than any conventional house that you would buy today. Uh, I'm I'm a little pessimistic about how long it's taken the lending and appraisal industries to recognize that fact because I think that's the last remaining obstacle to making this mainstream. And and as we mentioned before, some kind of an energy disclosure would probably solve that problem an energy disclosure at the time of sale. And I'm optimistic for the same reasons and pessimistic for the same reasons, but my optimism also extends to, if you get to a zero energy house, it doesn't take much uh, to add a few more solar collectors and get to being energy positive where you're producing more energy than the house needs. And you can use that energy for powering electric vehicles. So my wife and I, for instance, and Bruce and his wife have electric vehicles, so are powered by the solar power of our houses. So we can, it's a real big step on the way to a zero carbon way of living. Are you seeing a lot of interest from the builder community? We are seeing a lot more interest, uh, uh, and especially we see a transition from the uh, custom builders, the ones that are doing it one at a time, to production builders who are doing whole subdivisions. Um, there are examples all over the country of uh, their small subdivisions, you know, but, but there are you know, 30, 40, 50 houses that are basically all super energy efficient. They're either zero energy or what we call zero energy ready, which mm -hmm. is everything that the house needs except the solar panels. And so those, those zero energy homes are happening in pretty much every region of the country. What, if any, drawbacks are there to having a complete energy? Like what challenge? Like what is something that someone who lives in a conventional home with, you know, not necessarily paying attention to the zero energy, what challenge might they have in the conversion? Or is there anything that they would miss? Or is everything still the same exactly as it was with the zero energy home? Just obviously different. Everything's the same, except it's better. Uh, the one thing to be uh, conscious of is 
because a zero energy home is so airtight and well insulated, you need fresh air delivered to the house. So all zero energy homes have recovery ventilation systems that will bring in fresh air, filter it, take the stale air and take the heat from the stale air and keep it in the house, but remove the stale air from the house. So it's a very energy efficient way of getting fresh air. You're getting the fresh air, but you're not getting the heat loss. And on top of that, you're getting, the fresh air is getting filtered. And uh, so what turns out to be a little bit of a, an extra step in making a zero energy house, namely that you have to have a ventilation system is a huge asset because they find that people with allergies and asthma uh, or any kind of breathing problem do much, much better in a zero energy home with fresh filtered air mm-hmm. and a very airtight house so the outside air pollutants don't come in. You said you have to have fresh air delivered. What does that look like? Uh, well, it, it's a, it's a uh, ventilation system that has uh, fans and ducts. And you know, it's kind of like your furnace in a way on a much smaller scale. So, okay. so there are ducts that go to the outside one of them pulls air in and, and it goes through this box with fans in it and, and that fresh air is delivered inside. And at the same time, there's air being being drawn out of the house and expelled to the outside. What happens in that box is there's a, there's a heat exchanger that passes those two air streams very, in very close co- uh, proximity to each other. Uh, it looks kind of like a corrugated uh, heat ex- it's a corrugated um, cardboard that's laid in layers if you see the, the heat exchange core. And what this allows, it allows the heat and sometimes the moisture to pass from one airstream to the other without the air itself moving uh, across that heat exchanger. So it, it captures the heat and the moisture sometimes, but it, it doesn't allow that stale air to stay in the house. Uh, it also, what this does, is it gives you one point of fresh air coming into the house. So I call it fresh, but in many cities, the outside air is fairly polluted. Mm-hmm. And right now, all across the West, people are suffering from extremely bad air quality in terms of the wildfire smoke. And so it gives you the opportunity to filter that air as it comes into the house so that, so that you now have air that's better than either the inside or the outside. It's really kind of the optimum. Uh, the airtightness of these homes has been really a great advantage when the smoke is as bad as it's been out. We use the ventilation system to filter the air and make it healthy. Like your usual air filter, I'm assuming it's probably a special one designed for those homes. There are systems, most of the heat recovery ventilators that we see installed in houses have fairly small fans. And so if you put a, a really robust, efficient filter in front of that fan, it doesn't, the fan doesn't have enough power to push the air through it okay. because these filters are, create a lot of resistance to the airflow. Uh, and so the filters have come in their own little box with their own little fan so that they can uh, move the air through the filter efficiently. Uh, filters are rated uh, with something called a MERV rating, MERV rating, M-E-R-V. And uh, in order to really do a pretty good job, you have to have a MERV rating of about 13 or higher. And so um, what, what Joe has in his house, I'm very jealous of right now, is a HEPA filter, which is even better than a MERV 16 filter, and will get not only the smoke particles and, and this, what they call the PM 2.5 uh, uh, particles in the air, but will also uh, filter out viruses and all kinds of other tiny little 
um, uh, tiny little things. They use HEPA filters in hospitals. Right. And there are some uh, heat recovery ventilation systems that uh, have add-on HEPA filter capacity, which I would strongly recommend if you're in the West (laughs) (laughs) or if you're concerned about COVID virus. If someone's interested in connecting or learning more, I know you guys do a newsletter. Uh, you have a blog. Tell us about how we can connect with you guys and help support the project. The website is zeroenergyproject.org, and that's the main uh, source of information. But uh, there are we also have a robust social media presence on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. People can uh, connect to us there. The newsletter is free and available uh, once a month, so you can sign up on the website for the uh, free newsletter. Uh, and then, you know, look at our, we also have a YouTube channel with lots of videos, some of them that were produced especially for Zero Energy Project about some of these technical details. And Bruce made a wonderful video that shows the basic steps to get to a zero energy home, okay. uh, which I strongly recommend. That's right on the homepage of the website as well as on the YouTube channel. And uh, we have a contact page and we get a steady stream of questions from people who want some technical advice. And uh, often we're able to give them some direction as to where they can get the information they need to take the next step on the way to zero. Mm. But we don't sell anything. People keep wanting to buy stuff from us, but we don't sell anything. So maybe you should start. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to sell ideas and, uh, That's uh, getting back to the question you had before of the biggest challenge. And I think the thing that has really surprised me the most and is the biggest challenge is that the concept of zero energy homes just hasn't intuitively connected with people like wildfire. I mean, it just is such a, such a superior way of building a home. It's such a healthier home, uh, better living experience. It just boggles my mind that builders and bankers and developers and home buyers are not all wanting to get on this path. Why do you think that it hasn't really taken off? Because I noticed that, like, you know, for the Teslas of the world and everything else, it took some time, but, you know, now they've really started to get some traction. Do you think that, you know, as we progress as a nation and as a world, you know, looking for the zero energy, that you think it will catch on? Oh, yes, I do. And I think this will help. Um, and I think builders are, you know, they, they have a tough job of, to build a home. It's very complex. They have subcontractors and suppliers. It's a, I mean, they're like orchestra conductors. They have a huge job. And trying to make a change in a pattern that they have for successfully building homes uh, is very stressful. So I fully understand that there's some resistance. And I think the answer is really for everyday people like you and me to demand better homes that are going to be healthier and more cost effective to own. What can, what can local folks do to try to uh, bring about zero energy homes? I see two things. One is uh, just start with your own home and take the steps and more airtight. And if you're in the market for a new home, really doing the work to find a realtor and a builder who will connect you with a really good, high quality zero energy home. So you're moving in to the new world of the homes of the future. Everyone's going to have homes like these in 20 years. So why not make your next home a zero energy home now? 
So I think people can take that step in their lives. The second thing is um, many towns and cities all over the country, any Midwest, South, the coasts, many, many, many cities and towns are developing um, climate action plans. And you can get involved locally at that level of, if your community doesn't have a climate action plan, demanding and uh, organizing to make sure that your city or town does have one. And if they do have one, getting involved in helping it really happen. And one of the elements of that climate action plan should include some kind of energy disclosure at time of sale. I think that if we give the market the information, the complete information about the performance of the house, it won't take long for people to get the idea. Hey, did you enjoy this episode? Because if you did, you'll want to check out the other Future Home episodes. You'll find them on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many, many more.